Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. Things happy couples know. Listen into this video. We're brought here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, she just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jogs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're going to share a Facebook account. <laughs> do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay-at-home dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Oh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm going to crush it at being a husband. So the ladies here this morning are thinking, finally, finally pastor is talking about relationships. This is a great Sunday. And the guys are thinking, Pastor, why don't you mind your own business? Get back to the Book of Romans or something. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, uh, guys, we see marriage a little bit the way you see cars. So you're engaged and... Uh, you're going over to your fiance's house, visit the parents for supper, and you show up at the driveway, and your fiance is in the driveway, and he's got the hood of the vehicle open, and he's in there, he's looking at everything under the hood, and you go over there, you're all concerned, and you say, What's wrong with the car, hon? And he says, Nothing. <laughs> Just checking it out, and you think, you know, that's stupid. That's a waste of time, opening up a hood, nothing wrong with the car, just checking it out, what you doing that kind of stuff for? And that's kind of how guys feel about a sermon like this, like, uh, what a waste of time. There's nothing wrong. And in guys' perspective in relationship to marriage, there's almost always nothing wrong. So uh, we just don't need to talk about this stuff. We're not really interested in getting fixed. We've had three dogs, but we've really, it is in our marriage, but we've really only had two because the first one didn't last long. The first dog, who wasn't the first dog, but the first dog's name was Ginger. And one day Donna said about Ginger, I've got to take Ginger to the vet to get fixed. And so Ginger went to the doctor to get fixed, and I really didn't know what getting fixed meant, uh, but Ginger went to the doctor to get fixed and came back with this great big monstrous cone around her neck. 
and for the next three weeks wandered around this house looking absolutely ridiculous, but she was fixed. <laughs> Guys, that's what we think of, the pictures we get in our mind when you start thinking we need to get fixed. We're not really that interested in getting fixed. <laughs> but maybe we should be. But maybe we should be. Sorry to ruin your Father's Day. But the truth of the matter is, happy marriages are good for us. Researchers tell us, and uh, this couple, or these two from the University of Michigan say, that unhappy marriages can increase your chances of getting sick by roughly 35%, and even shorten your lifespan by four to eight years. So just figuring out how to have a happy marriage is good for your health. Marriage researchers from uh, named uh, Janice and Ron Glaser are uh, doctors, and they spent uh, about a decade, maybe a bit over, doing blood tests on married couples. And this is what they discovered. Subjects who were satisfied with their marriage had more natural killer cells than did others. Now, killer cells are those white cells in your system that go after uh, the cells that are creating, potentially can create illness and sickness in your life. And the person who is happily married has a good relationship in their marriage actually has more of those killer cells in their life. Uh, for the last uh, week, I've been trying to read through this book by Dr. John Gottman, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he had this to say, I often think that if fitness buffs spent 10% of their weekly workout time, say 20 minutes a day, working on their marriage instead of their bodies, they would get three times the health benefits they derive from exercise class or the treadmill. Happy marriages are good for us. There are some things that happy couples know about that that maybe we can benefit from talking about. So I take you back to your wedding day if you're married. And if you're not married, listen to this stuff and put it through, put through the potential partners through this filter. And if you're here today and you say, I'm not married, I'm never getting married, don't want to get married, uh, the stuff we're looking at this morning can actually help you in almost all of your relationships, including your work relationships. So I take you to your wedding day. At your wedding day, there were four boxes present. The first box had the bride's rings in it, and this is the actual box that held Donna's rings way back in 1976. There's a box with rings, the bride. And there's a second box that has rings in it, and those rings are, are for the groom. 
And at some point in the service, the officiant asks the ring bearer for the rings for the bride and the rings for the groom, and the rings get taken out and the rings get placed on the ring fingers of the bride and the groom. So two of the boxes. The other two boxes nobody sees, but the other two boxes are actually at the wedding. But they're invisible boxes. Nobody sees the invisible boxes. The truth, the reality is nobody even really knows what's in the invisible boxes. But the invisible boxes are at the wedding and the guy, the groom carries one of them and the bride carries one of them. Donna and I had invisible boxes at our wedding. I uh, expected my wonderful bride to uh, never make pancakes for supper. You see, you don't eat pancakes for supper. Pancakes are for meat and potatoes. And one of the first disappointing days in our marriage was when I walked into our apartment and I smelt pancakes and syrup. And I didn't know how in the world she could be doing that for me because you don't eat pancakes for supper. I grew up in a preacher's home. Donna was going to be a pastor's wife, and, and I knew what a pastor's wife should be like because I'd watched my mom be a pastor's wife, and, and my mom never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever expressed a public opinion about anything in the church. And I was marrying a pastor's wife, and she was never going to have an opinion. Was I in for a shock? <laughs> I expected that Donna would never need to have a girlfriend the rest of her life because I was going to be her best friend and she would be so delighted with me she would never, ever need to be alone with a girl again in her life. I expected Donna to love board games because I love board games. Who doesn't love board games? Don't raise your hand. I mean, that's just what married couples do. They play Scrabble till midnight. And I was shocked to discover that she finds board games to be devilish. Donna had her expectations too. Donna expected that I would love her so much that I would just always want her to be out having fun with her, fun with her girlfriends because she needs to get away from me. Donna 
expected me to never, ever, ever, ever open a new carton of milk if there was still some milk in the fridge. I didn't even know that rule existed. And Donna expected me to be just like her dad. Her dad is the sweetest, kindest, most romantic guy in the whole wide world. He is special, very special. I'm German. We bring into our marriage expectations. Every guy brings his box of expectations. Never talks about them, but he has a box. And every gal has her expectations. One perfectly behaved daughter, a bunch of little dudes running around the house having all kinds, everybody brings their expectations. And the problem with expectations is expectations create a business culture in a marriage. Expectations create a debt-debtor relationship in a marriage. He owes me, she owes me. I did all of this for you, you better do all of this for me. I expect that you do this, and if you're expecting things from me, then I expect you to do things for me too. And we get into this debt-debtor relationship, and debt-debtor relationships never become love relationships. They never become uh, relationships full of love. Over the last four decades, I've had the humbling experience a few times of walking into a bank and asking them to lend me some money. They give you a loan, and thank God for his faithfulness, every month we've been able to make the payment. Never in my life have I got a phone call from the bank or a letter from them or a thank you card saying, thank you so much for paying your debt. Marriages quickly and easily degenerate into a debt-debtor relationship if it's based on each other fulfilling expectations. So, Corey, poor guy, Tracy, poor gal, you have to come help me. There's a price to pay for being a winner in this church. So, come on up here. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to make this fairly easy for you. 
we're just going to let you sit down on the chair. Give them a hand for helping us this morning. Bless you. So it's wedding day. Oh, oh, they're going to be very helpful here. This is going to be good. And they're both carrying a box to the wedding. And the box is full of expectations. And they are looking dreamily into each other's eyes. They are so excited because this perfect guy, this perfect gal are going to fulfill all of their expectations for the rest of their life. Life is going to be so good. We're perfectly compatible, you know. And then they have to start living it out was on our honeymoon, I discovered that while I expected my life to love board games, she doesn't like games. We were married for about two and a half weeks, and Donna said, imagine this. Donna said, John, I'm a little bored. Can we go find my friends? We were camping and Eastern Canada, and she had some friends in a community nearby, and I said, ha, ah, why not? And we got there, and her friends pulled out the Rook cards, and I was so excited. I love Rook. And Donna was my partner. And we lost the first round, for those of you who know the game, 200 to nothing. Now, that's not so good, but what was even worse is she didn't care. <laughs> and as a very loving new husband, I said to my wonderful bride, I'll deal with you later in the car. <laughs> I'm still hearing those words 43 years later. <laughs> She didn't like board games and my expectations for nights at home just playing wonderful games together, Scrabble to midnight, just went up the window in one big windstorm. My expectations were, were crushed. Happy couples know something that some of us haven't figured out yet. You see, when you get married, you <laughs> lovingly look into each other's eyes, so excited about what's ahead. My man is going to fill my box. My gal's going to fill my box. And pretty soon you find out it's not quite that simple. I've lost track a long time ago of how many couples I've done premarital counseling for. 
I would say, in the last five years, I think I maybe actually gotten good at it. Up till then, I was just faking it because it was in my job description. But I've always started premarital counseling with, with this question. Why are you getting married? It's the first question I always ask. Why are you getting married? I'm always stunned, still amazed, that when I ask the question, there's dead silence. So I dig a little deeper and I say, why are you marrying him? Why are you marrying her? Why are you getting married? And after a little while, they realize I'm not going to give up on the question, so they start giving me answers. I'm marrying him because he's so smart. Probably beats the other option. Guys say this often to me when I ask, why are you getting married? They say this, well, she's so hot. <laughs> and it's good to be attracted to each other. I asked one couple, why are you getting married? And she said, I'm marrying him because his walk is so sexy. I made him stand up and walk in front of me. <laughs> Most couples I've married, almost all of them, they're still married today, and I rejoice in that. That marriage lasted six months. Apparently, a sexy walk isn't enough to build a marriage on. <laughs> The truth of the matter is, there's only one right answer to the question, why are you getting married? And I've never been given it. The right answer for why you're getting married is, I want to spend the rest of my life making him happy. I want to spend the rest of my life making her happy. You see, happy couples have figured something out. They stop worrying about their box. And they spend their marriage investment and energy and emotions into filling their spouse's box. That means two things. Number one, 
It means that they care enough to get to know <laughs> what's in your spouse's box. Oh, don't open it. You could, but then when I preach this sermon 40 years from now somewhere else, I'll have to make a new box. I, I should tell you, Tracy, that there's probably nothing in that box. That's just the way guys are. But. <laughs> and it's not that we don't have expectations, it's just we don't know how to talk about them. They spend their lives, number one, getting to know what's in their spouse's box, and number two, they commit to filling that box. So Jesus ministered in, in Israel, Palestine. Israel's where the Jews live. They're Jewish people. And in the covenant that the Jewish people live by, there were 631 laws that they had to obey. The rabbis would tell you that there are 631 laws because there's a law for every day of the year and there's a law for every single body part you have and when you put them together it comes to 631. So there's 631 laws the Jews had to live by and then Jesus comes along and a scribe wants to make sure that Jesus is really a good Jewish boy and he says, how do we live our faith? And Jesus says, well, there's two things you need to do. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your soul. And the second thing you need to do is you need to love others as yourself. Two laws. And now he's at the end of his ministry. Disciples don't really get it yet that the end is near, but he's at the end of his ministry and they've already had the Last Supper together and Jesus is making some closing comments and this is what he has to say. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Wow. In the Christian world, <laughs> It's not about getting, it's about giving. It's not about being served, it's about serving. He's at the end and he says, we're down to one thing here. I've given you a new commandment as you go forward. Love one another. But notice how we love. It is not an exchange of expectations. You do what I want, you do what I want. As long as you do what I want, I'll do some of the things back that you want. That's not the standard for Christian marriage and Christian relationships. And the good news, or bad news, depending how you look at it, there's lots of people who aren't in Christ yet who live this out better than we do. 
the standard here is you don't love when you are loved back. You love as Jesus loved you. And Jesus doesn't love anyone in this room because you're perfect or because you do a bunch of great things for you. For him, Jesus just loves you. His heart is towards you. <laughs> Whether you're giving him a lot or you're giving him nothing, Jesus loves you. And so we enter marriage, living out the life of Christ, where we just want to pour into our spouse's box. Whether they're pouring anything into our box, irrelevant. We're committed. We're committed to loving them and making them happy <laughs> the rest of their lives, even if we get nothing in return. And the neat thing about that is when you practice it, you get a lot back, because when you give it, give them back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, and running over. So, I'm going to do something I don't think I've ever done before at the neighborhood. Every couple here, please listen up. Every couple, your attention. If you're here and your spouse is not here, listen. Don't talk about this message. Don't talk about this message. Do you hear me? Don't talk about this message. Your couple, your spouse, does not want to feel like you're trying to fix them. Don't talk about this message. Got it? Got it? Don't talk about it. Secondly, just do it. Just do it. This isn't something you need to talk about. Here's what you need to do. If you're pink here this morning, if you're pink, you figure out how to fill the blue box. And if you're blue this morning, Figure out how to fill the pink box. Because that's what happy couples know. Happy couples fill their spouse's box. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. 
or if you want to give it a distance or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. Through that little portal you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about The Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.